can uh, grab your Bibles and go to Joshua chapter 1 today. Joshua chapter 1. here. Verse 1, it says, Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses." From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun, shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong and of a good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto your fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then shalt thou make thy way prosperous, and then shalt thou have good success. Had not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage, be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. It's a great section in God's word. The promise made to Joshua is very, very clear. God says, this is what I have promised you, and this is what you've got to do. Pretty clear. I was thinking about this section because, you know, the new year, the beginning of the new year or the end of the old and the coming of the new is generally a time where people reflect on the year. And they go, well, you know, what happened last year and what's possibly going to happen next year and, you know, what's going to happen in this area of my life or that area of my life. It's, people tend to think about what's going to be coming up in the new year, right? Um, there was an old expression that we used to say years ago, and I was thinking about that expression when thinking of the new year, right? And the expression was, it said, the future is as bright as the promises of God, right? That's an, that's an expression we say all the time, and I was thinking about that the other day, and, you know, that's really, it's a great, great way to look at the next year or the next week or the next month or whatever. God told Joshua, Joshua, this land is all yours. This land is going to be all yours. Wherever you're going to walk, I'm going to give to you. Right? So the promise was made. His future had the possibility of being very bright. And so did the children of Israel. Their, their future could have been, was, was going to be very, very bright. God told them, all you got to do right, is stick to the word. Right? Don't go that way. Because if you go that way, uh, I can't tell. You, I can't say that my promise is going to come to pass. 
If you go that way, I can't honestly tell you that my promise is going to come to pass. He said, if you stay right on and don't go this way or that way, this is what's going to happen. Right? And that's the way every new year is for, uh, for believers. Right? The promises of God are there. They're written. They're right there. It's up to you and to me to look at the promises and not go this way or that way, but look right on at the promises and what they say. And then guess what our future is? It's as bright as those promises, right? Now, when Israel followed God's command, what happened, right? They didn't lose a single person. They didn't lose a man in battle, not one. It's only when they went this way or that way that sometimes their future wasn't that bright, right? But when they looked right on at what God promised, it was bright and it was wonderful. Look at Psalm chapter 16. You know, a lot of times, uh, so I thought I would just look at a few promises in God's Word today. I didn't think we'd have time to look at all the promises in God's Word today. Uh, maybe some other time. Maybe on our own time. Psalm 16. You know, I was listening to this one man who was talking about the Christmas, the holiday season, and he was saying, well, you know, for him, it was never really a very happy time because of, you know, I guess family issues or whatever. It was a depressing time, and that tends to be the case, right? Maybe people look at the next year and say, well, gee, you know, it's a kind of a depressing outlook on life. Well, you know, that may be the way to look at things for some people, but our option is, well, what does the, what does the Word of God say? Right? What does the Word of God say if we're possibly facing depression? Or, or the, Look at Psalm chapter 16, verse 5. I love this section. It says, The Lord is the portion of mine inheritance, and of my cup. Thou maintainest my lot. The lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places, yea, I have a goodly heritage. I will bless the Lord who hath given me counsel. My reins also instruct me in the night seasons. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Therefore my heart is glad, and my glory rejoiceth. My flesh also shall rest in hope. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption, talking about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. You see, we have the option. I could say, well, I'm going to be really depressed. You know, I'm going to get bummed out because I've got this thing to face next year or this thing coming up in my life next year, and I don't know how I'm going to get through this. Or I can say, you know what? I can set the Lord always before me, right? And because He at my right hand, I will not be moved, right? I can re- I can confess the truth that at the pre- in God's presence is fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. But what do I have to do in that case? I have to decide to stay in God's presence, don't I? Right? How do I stay in God's presence? Well, how do I? Isn't, isn't the Word of God a good way to stay in God's presence? To stick to what His word, the Word says? It's another way of saying exactly what God told Joshua. Meditate in my Word. Don't go left or right. Stick in my Word. That's how you fellowship with God. Prayer. Staying in God's Word. And that will deal with any kind of other things, depression or whatever else might be hitting me. Because God's Word promises me, and that's the thing. The promise is written. At His right hand, in His presence, is fullness of joy. Is that what it says? Now, either I can decide to believe that or not. It's up to me. Just like Joshua had the option. He can say, well, well, God, you gave me a promise. Wherever I walk, the land is mine. Or he could have said, well, you know what? I'm going to go this way. I'm going to go that way. It's always our option. But the future 
is as bright as the promise is given. Joshua had the promise. We've got the promise. Look at Matthew chapter 6. Another great, another major concern in people's lives can be, well, how am I going to get my needs met this next year? Right? You know, I got this need or this loan or that situation or I got this these financial considerations or whatever, whatever it is, right? There are a lot of, you know, and again, the new year is a time people think about these kind of things, you know, uh, or not just the new year. People think of these things all the time. What does God's word say? 6.19 in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. It says, Lay not up for yourself treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye, if therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? No man can serve two masters, for either he will love the one and hate, sorry, hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore, he says, I say unto you, take no thought or don't take anxious consideration for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, or nor, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on, is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather into barns, and your heavenly Father know, feedeth them, are you not much better than they? Which of you by taking thought can add one cubit unto your stature? And why take you thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. Yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe ye, O you of little faith? Therefore, take no thought or anxious consideration or distraction, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the nations, the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. You see, God lists here a lot of lot of verses, many of the things that we can be constantly concerned about. Constantly. Food, clothing, shelter, work, situation, whatever it is. And it says, look, the nations, that's what the entire world is out there. That's what they're that's what they're all about. Right? The entire world is all about. How am I going to, what am I going to eat? What am I going to, you know, what, what, what am I going to drink? Where's my next job coming from? And that's constantly distracted in that area. So God says, look, I would rather you didn't do that. Right? So what's the option? Well, the option is the next verse. But, which is contrast to doing all that stuff, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Righteousness. And look at the promise associated with that. And all these things shall be added Unto you. That's the promise that God lays out. See, the future is bright. What's my part? Seek ye first the kingdom of God. It's not to seek all the other things, because if I seek all the other things constantly, the promise isn't good anymore, is it? Right? Simple. God, God told Joshua, this way, not that way, or that way, not left or right, this way, and this is what's going to happen. Right? God says, in my presence is fullness of joy. Seek my presence. Stay with me, right? 
If you don't, well, I can't promise that. Here, God says, don't seek all the other things. And that is what the entire world is all about. I could spend my whole day thinking about, well, um, are we going to have enough food next year? Are we going to be able to meet this? Are we go-? And we could, right? And basically, God says, that's what everybody does. And, God, and no, he says, don't do that. Instead, seek me first. You seek me first, and guess what? All those other things are going to be given to you. Right? Well, I would, I would consider that our future is pretty bright, isn't it? In that area? That's a pretty bright future. When God says, I'm going to supply all your needs. And verse 34, Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow or tomorrow shall take thought for the things of itself. There's enough to think about today. So God says, seek me first. You know, and it may seem like a little bit of a, well, you know, if I waste my time, you might think I'm wasting my time doing this when I could be doing this work. Yeah, you, you might, and that's probably the way most people think, right? God is different. He says, seek me first, and I'm going to take care of all those things. Now, it's up to, you know, and that may seem a little bit hard to believe, but that's, is that what the Word says? That's what it says. Now, it's up to me or you to believe it. Joshua might have thought, you know, how am I going to go up against 50,000 Amorites with, you know, 10,000 Israelites? How am I going to do that? God says, take courage, stick to my word. Everywhere you've, you step, I have given to you. Right? In my presence is fullness of joy. Stay in my presence. God says, seek me first. All these things shall be added unto you. See, the future is as bright as his promise. Right? But I have to believe him. I have to do what he says. Right? And honestly, in all these situations, to seek his presence, seek him first, right? just trust his word. It's God who has the harder part in all those situations, isn't it? We have the easy part. right? We have the easy part of that deal. Look at Philippians, sorry, uh, Psalm 103. Actually, Philippians 4. I'm sorry, Philippians 4. Let's go there for a second. Another one of those really odd, you know, things that are hard to understand in God's Word. Because it just doesn't make any sense. Philippians chapter 4, verse 10. But I rejoice in the Lord that now at the last your care of me hath flourished, again wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Notwithstanding, you have done well done, and you did communicate with me with my affliction. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica you sent once and again unto my necessity. So this church had given to the Apostle Paul. They had supplied and helped him to meet the requirements he needed to move God's word. Verse 17. He says, not because I desire a gift. Paul said, you know, you gave to me, but I want you to give, not because he needed it, but I desire that fruit, I desire fruit that may abound to your account. He said that as you give, I know that God is going to bless you back. Verse 18, But I have all, 
and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. The promise of abundance to them was based on them giving, which makes no sense, right? It makes as little sense as not being distracted about the things of life and just trusting God as far as people are concerned. But God's promise is that it is more blessed to give than to receive. God's promise is that as you give, He gives back, pressed down, you know, shaken together and flowing, overflowing. That's what it says. It says, as you give, God opens the windows of heaven and blesses you back. All those things don't make any sense as far as people are concerned. But that's what God's Word says. And God, the, and our future is bright. What's our part? To give. Right? Now let's say I decide, well, I'm not going to give because when I give, I have less. Whether I'm giving my time or whether you're giving your finances, whether you're giving goods, whatever you're doing, you've, you now have less of it, yes? If I spend an hour doing something, you know, in a biblical sense, then I've just lost an hour, right? If I give $100 to the work of the ministry in some area, I've just lost $100, right? Is that true? Yes. It, it, it goes away from you, does it not? You have less, and God says, well, yeah, but guess what? I'm going to bless you back more than you can possibly imagine. But guess what? I've got to believe that. Right? Because when I give, whether it's time or finances or whatever, and all I can think about is, oh man, I'm losing ah, this. and ah, What's the point of reading the Word? And why should I pray? And why should I do all that? I, can, I will not get back the blessing of the windows of heaven if that is the way that I give. Would have said God loves a cheerful giver. Right? Right? If I was giving that way, I would rather not give. It's probably better for me not to give. Right? Because God's in the promise. The promise is the future is bright, but the future is only bright if I do what the Word of God says. If Joshua had said, you know what, I'm going to go way left, would he have had all that land? No. God told the Israelites, don't take anything from the nations when you take over their city. Remember that? God told them, don't touch those things. Didn't, wasn't there one case where they touched something? One guy went and grabbed some of the goblets or something. I can't remember what it was. What happened? Right. What happened to Israel then? Next time they attacked that city, twice, right? They were beaten back and they lost people. Right? Because they had gone to the left or to the right. But when they had stuck to the promise, what happened? Didn't lose a single person. Right? Just like us. If I decide I want to be distracted about my job, distracted about my money, by getting enough money to, for food or enough money for clothes or shelter, if I decide that's what I would rather do, right? Then, then, then is the promise of all those things being added onto you still valid? No, because God says, don't be distracted. Trust me. Isn't that what it says? He says, don't go left or right. Stay straight on. Don't be depressed and all that. Stay in my presence and I will bless you, give you fullness of joy pleasures forevermore keep you at peace that's what he promises look at Psalm 103 how about physical deliverance I know you know for, it's a time of year where you can say well you know what I still need deliverance and I remember seeing a lady in, in, a, in a, 
in the Gospels, right? She had uh, issue of blood for 12 years, right? Was it 12 years? I believe it was 12 years, right? You might, you might, you might think that she might have spent 12 or 11 New Year's Eve thinking, you know, well, maybe this is the year that I will get the deliverance that I need. Maybe this is the year that it's going to happen. Or maybe she was thinking, you know, I don't know, maybe it'll never, you know, like, I don't know. It's a time of year where you reflect and you think about it. Maybe she thought, thought about, maybe she didn't. I don't know. It doesn't say in the Word. Right. But what does God's Word say? Psalm 103, verse 1 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all, who healeth all. All thy diseases, all of them. There is no disease that God does not heal. Is that what it says? Does it say some? It says all. Now, this is the promise, right? This is the promise that is set before us as we go into the new year. Forgives all our iniquities and heals all our diseases. That's what it says. Now, I can decide to believe that, or I can say, well, it's a nice theory. Right? It's not for me. I'd rather try this. I'd rather go down this. It's up to me. The choice is mine. The choice is ours, right? That was the promise God made. Look at Isaiah 53. In Isaiah 53, and that was a promise that was in the Old Testament, yeah? That promise is made in the Old Testament before Jesus Christ ever came and did what was necessary for man's redemption and salvation. God had that promise that He heals all our diseases. Right? That's cool, isn't it? All of them. Isaiah 53, verse 4. Surely, talking now about Jesus Christ, He hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Isaiah writing about someday, talking about the coming of a Messiah, by whose stripes we would be healed. Above and beyond the promise of God healing all our diseases. In Matthew chapter 8. God heals all our diseases and forgives all our sins. And then Isaiah looking forward saying, you know, by the Messiah we're going to have this deliverance. And then in Matthew chapter 8. This is great. This is a story in like almost four parts here. Matthew eight thirteen, And Jesus said unto the centurion, talking, he did a healing, he healed the centurion here. Uh, the, the servant, go thy way, and as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And his servant was healed in the selfsame hour. So Jesus was healing here. Verse 14, And when Jesus was come unto Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother laid and sick of a fever, and he touched her and hand, and the fever left her. And she arose and ministered unto them. And when the even was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word, and healed all that were sick. Sounds just like Psalm 103, doesn't it? Verse 17. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, we just read it, saying, Himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. 
So here he was. See, the Old Testament, God says He heals all our diseases. Then He said there was a Messiah coming, that by His stripes we're going to be healed. And here's Jesus Christ in the process of dealing with that, saying He healed all their diseases, and said just like Isaiah had prophesied that He was going to heal all our diseases. And First Peter chapter 2, to bookend this whole record. First Peter chapter 2. Twenty-four, who his own self, talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Because now he had accomplished that which Isaiah said he was going to do, that in Matthew that he was accomplishing, and that he'd finished it, Peter writes, he's done it. Right? So now, every time a situation comes up, any kind of situation, that healing or physical deliverance is required, our future is very bright, is it not? Our future is as bright as the promise that God has set before us. And my option, our option, is to whether I'm going to believe that, or I'm going to take the words of men, you know, uh, physicians, doctors, physiotherapists, above the word. Nothing wrong with all those. We know nothing wrong with all those professions, and we're thankful for them. But the word of God has got to have preeminence in our lives. It's got to be the higher standard. It's got to be the standard to which we endeavor to raise our believing, our thinking, our hopes, ambitions up to what the word of God says. And that is what what God promises. He says, by his stripes, we were healed. He heals all our diseases, all of them, not just this one or that, all of them, and by His stripes we are healed. And that promise stays until the return of Jesus Christ. And that is always there, always waiting to be believed, and always waiting to give every single believer a bright future right, in that area of life. Right? It's still there. Right? hasn't changed. Right? It's not going to change this year. 2014, that promise is as sure as it was in 2013, right? In Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. I know this section is talking about the coming of Jesus Christ and all the believers that waited His coming, but it applies also to all of God's promises. In Hebrews chapter 10. See, because once you have the promise, once you know the promise is given by God. Right? That's all you need. That's all you and I need. Once the promise is given, right? that's it. It's a done deal, and God will honor that promise. In 1034, it says, For you had compassion of me and my bonds, and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in, your, in yourselves that you have an in heaven a better and enduring substance. Cast not away... Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For you have need of patience, that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. Right? And that's true, you know, it's talking about the return of Christ, but it's true, when, when, when the Word of God has given you a promise, 
It is the right thing to do is to believe that promise. When God says that if you trust me and stay in my presence, I will give you fullness of joy. So if you stay in his presence by God's word, by prayer, by speaking in tongues, all the things that are available for us to stay in his presence, you can expect fullness of joy. If you're patient and wait on him, you will receive that promise. If God's word says that if you stick to my word and don't go left or right, I will bless you and prosper you, that is a done deal. You just stay to his word, and because that is the right thing to do. There is nothing else to do beyond the right thing to do. Once you know what the right thing to do is, there is nothing else to look for except to wait for God's promise to come to pass like he has said that, that he would. Right? You need a patient. You do the word of God. If God says, you know, when you give, I will bless you back once you've given with a cheerful heart, right? then expect his promise to come back to you. It's just a matter of waiting for it. Because God's word promises it. There's nothing, there's nothing else to do. There's no other way to look. Because he says, look straight at me and nowhere else. We heard the manifestations today as well. We'll close in 1 Peter chapter 1. So we wait on the Lord. Because he is the strength of our life. He is our high tower, like the word says. He is our peace, our fortress, all those things. You just wait on him after you've done the will of God. In chapter, First Peter chapter 1, I thought we'd close, we read this verse the last couple of fellowships as well. I thought we'd, there are certain promises in God's word. We looked at them today, you know, when, when God promised Joshua prosperity for Israel, he said, you just stick to my word, right? Don't go left or right, just stay on the word and be courageous and, you know, I'll bless you. Then, then we read the promise in Psalm where, you know, in my presence is fullness of joy. Well, you stay in God's presence. They were the promise of blessing and bounty. When you give, God gives you back. Your part is to give, God blesses you back. Read the, part, read, the, read the promise of healing and deliverance. As we just stick to the accomplished work of Jesus Christ, then God will bless and heal because His Word promises it. Well, I'm thankful there are other promises that I have no part in. And I'm very thankful for it because I can't do anything about not receiving this promise. So I thought we'd close that one. First Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. Right? Well, there's not much you can do about that. It's coming. You're going to get blessed. Right? So thankful for that, that wonderful promise. But you know, it's great that God has not only dealt with this life, Right? And we looked at all the promises that God has dealt with to deal with this life, but He's also made sure that that life, the eternal life, is also dealt with. He's also given us promises that pr- promise us great blessings, and we looked at those last week, last time we were together, that are coming in the you know, life to, to be. Right? So, you know, it's, it's great. Our future, not only is our future as bright as the promises of God in this life, but it certainly is bright in the one to come as well, right? That's how God has dealt with all eternity for His people. Right? So, you know, that's, that's, that's maybe a good thing to think about this coming year and how, how many other promises of God that we can possibly endeavor to believe in the coming year. Maybe those are the kind of goals that we can set up ourselves to believe in this coming year. The other goals are great too, but how about some goals that are based strictly on God's word and the promises that he's given, right? So boy, our future sure is bright. It's bright as the promises of God.